how do you kind of start with these aspirations and these ideas and make decisions that kind of lead you forward in a career that bring it into this kind of focus where you you can have impact on businesses all over the world. You know, that's that's kind of our story. And and hopefully we'll get into some of the things that will help some of the people in your audience understand some of the steps and what are the recipes that go into to leading to that kind of outcome. This is Bridging the Gap with your host, Matt Reimer. Today's an exciting episode where we're going to have basically a roundtable with two hugely educated and knowledgeable marketing brains in the industry. So we're going to be joined here today by John Lanker and Kevin De La Plante. Boys, gentlemen, how y'all doing? Wonderful. Thanks for having us on the show. Good. Thanks Wood. so much this for is having a, us, Matt. This is, this is new. For, so if it feels a little bit like you know hard out of the gate, it's because it's sometimes it's the first time I've done this in a long time of having two people. But I'm stoked because you know we get two brains instead of one. So that's going to be super exciting. And you know we're going to be talking about branding and marketing. And I think that given the industry and the focus and how we're moving as an industry with wealth management, personal brand is what it's all about. How do you live your authentic self and build your authentic self and tell it in the multiple mediums that are out there to get your name out there? Because an industry that we've always been built on referrals, there's so many other opportunities to grow. And growth is continuously the same challenge that I hear from advisors. I just got back from a conference with 3,000 RIAs and growth it continues to be the challenge. So we're going to dive into that. But before we do, I want to dive into y'all's stories. I want to learn a little bit more about, about John and Kevin here in a sec as well. And so I always like to, to say this, Y'all are in marketing. John, I, you, you've co-founded this business and, and led this business. And I'll start with you and then Kevin, I'll go over to you. But you know, was this your ideal? What did you want to be as a 13-year-old John Lenker? Was this the, the kind of the goal right here is to be a running of a marketing firm and, and making a, a name for yourself there? Or what did the 13-year-old John Lenker want to be? I wanted to be a, a singer-songwriter. But you know, I'll tell you, the lady on the playground when I was like in first grade, she told me, you know, you should either be a lawyer or a salesman. Because uh, I was always talking myself out of trouble. <laughs> I'd always be like to kind of, and, and also when the kids wanted to beat me up, which was quite frequently, because I was really bad at sports and they were always mad that I was screwing up their their teams. I was always able to talk myself out of getting beat up. And uh, so I don't know, I just, you know, the, the, the human persuasion thing has always been kind of at the core of what I've been thinking about. And even the musical aspirations I had, you know, it's, it's about influencing people through, you know, words and music. So in a sense, I've always been kind of on, on a thread from that original path, but I didn't really think about it like marketing, you know, someday I'm going to be, you know, promoting things. So, but that's yeah. my story. Kevin, what about you? What did the 13-year-old Kevin Delaplante want to be on the school playground? At 13, I would say I probably wanted to be something like an astrophysicist, a scientist, space-oriented. And I was thinking at that time, that was the beginning of the, the early days of, of the space shuttle. And so there was a lot of interest in the space program. And I kind of, at that age, I probably thought it'd be cool to be a person who ended up on Mars, like an astronaut on Mars. So that trajectory, I had certain heroes at that time who were those sort of combination science guys, explorer, adventurer types. And half of my brain was in there. And the other half was, I think, about drawing and cartooning. So it was either going to be that or like a Walt, an animator for Walt Disney was, was the other thing I had in, in my head. 
See, this is why I love this podcast. You always bring on people that are smarter than you. They say surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. Like, I didn't even know what an astrophysicist was until right when you said it, I was like, that is way over my head. But that's such an awesome desire that you had at that point. I'm curious how you went from being a desired astrophysicist to now being part of the marketing creative side. I mean, I guess that aligns with some of your your creative doodling and, and drawing and, and creative side. But how did you find your way and navigate your way into the role you are today? Well, I did end up studying science, actually. My undergraduate degree was was actually in physics. So I did take my astrophysics class. I got to be a guy who worked the telescope for different classes at that time. But at then in, during that period, I kind of transitioned. My interests were really even more foundational than that. I kind of wanted to know like deep questions about the nature of reality, the nature of the universe. So I ended up segueing over into philosophy of science from physics to the philosophy of science and so the deeper things. I ended up doing a PhD in philosophy and I ended up going the academic route. I was a professional academic for 20 years. I taught at Iowa State University at the Department of Philosophy and Religious Studies. Now, the question is, how did I get from there to partnering up with John Linker at Linker? (laughs) And that was... That was about uh, a kind of w- desire to uh, break out of just the classroom environment. I thought, you know, I'm a big fan of, b- of big ideas. I think great ideas are our most powerful r- resource, really. But great ideas need champions for them to become a reality. And what I like is that in my role at Linker, I like to think that we're in the business of championing great ideas, making them real, helping them to fulfill their promise. So I'm in this business to help. Great ideas find find a life, and if it's so that I get to live vicariously through the space agency clients that we have, the biomedical innovation clients that, that we have, these these clients that are creating real value in the world, and I get to learn about their world and then help them develop brand strategy and messaging. So for me, it's another version of an educational experience that I would never have gotten if I had stayed inside uh, the classroom. I love but that. an important detail that he left out was that he was a top-rated podcaster. And he had a, a podcast called The Critical Thinker. And I was a fan. And I started supporting his Patreon back in the day. And then when we eventually got a really interesting client, which you named that client earlier in the conversation, one of the big pieces of strategic advice that we gave them was to start a podcast and so we brought Kevin in as, as sort of a specialist to help, you know, facilitate that. Ended up being a massively successful podcast. But then one thing led to another, and, and we kept bringing Kevin in for different things. And a few years later, ended up asking him to, to come and join us as a full-time partner. And he's one of the four partners at Linker. And to this day, one of the, not just one of the people I admire most, but I would say that almost everybody in our company you know, there's something like 16 or 20 of us at this stage. Uh, Kevin is is one of everybody's being the most admired person. So I can um, see why. Real, real fortunate to have him here. And I think it's cool. I think it's just an awesome story about how the merging of academia and professional world and how you can marry the two and, and, and the benefits of both of them, because sometimes they get segregated or siloed out of this is academia and this is professional life. And I think that there's a opportunity and this is a testament to that of the 
the convergence of the two. And I think that there's so much power there of, of the two of them. And, and you're seeing it inside of your every day on John on your team side and Kevin, your team side. And so, you know, John, I'm curious on, you know, on your story. You know, I, 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 I love this part of the conversation because this allows us to develop a relationship with our guests and our listeners develop a relationship with them. And I'm, I'm curious how you went from the playground to being a salesman and a lawyer, which you kind of, you still do in sales probably, I'm sure. And so you're still in that. But how did you go from that avenue to, to then starting, starting the firm and, and kind of helping out on the marketing side with, with your organization? Well, it was, it was a, a long odyssey. I ended up learning quite a bit about communications philosophy and strategy. I ended up taking a job which was sort of pivotal in my career with one of the founders of Interactive Multimedia, and he had an e-learning company. And so his entire focus was on helping adult learners um, become motivated to learn and to actually absorb, you know, information of various kinds, and then to be able to deploy that into their work life and, and make changes. And we ended up working on some of the biggest e-learning projects on earth, meaning millions and millions of, of students. And it ended up being quite influential. Um, I got this idea though. I, when I was with him, I was, I was with that company for about three years. And I, I realized that in the world of marketing, uh, which I, I'd had a life before that role in, in kind of the world of marketing. And I realized that marketers aren't really good at understanding how people learn. And if, if marketers knew a little bit about how to properly educate people about the value proposition of what they're offering, that maybe they would be more efficient and more effective in the process of, you know, gaining market share. And so that was kind of the, the idea that led me to go into the advertising industry for, for a while. Um, I went and worked for one of the major advertising agencies in the digital arena and applied a lot of, of that knowledge and, and did some really interesting stuff. Again, some really big projects for some you know massively big companies. And at that time, I decided to write a book about all this. And I ended up getting a book deal with you know a company called New Writers Publishing. And they, they published, I think it was the world's first online communications philosophy textbook back in way back in 2002. And you know, from there, I started my own interactive agency and and started to try to live out those principles of creating really compelling experiences for people in a market so that that the the people in an audience would you know kind of take hold of a central idea and be real interested in pursuing that into a relationship with with a company and so that was kind of the the theme is do a better job of helping businesses tell their story in a way that makes people fall in love with them and believe in them and want to go forward with them. And, you know, to do that effectively, it's all, you know, you know this word authentic has become sort of cheap nowadays. I and mean, people could just sort of put the, you know, authenticity is one of our most important values. But I mean, everybody says that. But genuine authenticity is something that you you actually have to do almost like an archaeologist. You have to kind of dig into your history. You have to go through the layers of what made you become who you are and sort of discover the things that are, are real and unique and, and solid, the things that you want to kind of sort of boil down. Like if you're, you know, mining for for gold or silver or something, you want to you want to get the little particles and you want to sift out the bad stuff and you want to put heat and pressure on it 
and, and refine it and purify it into something really outstanding and amazing. And I really set about wanting to do that for clients. And, you know, lo and behold, it's super hard to do that because there's so many different kinds of disciplines that come into it. And sort of fast forwarding to today, I got smart about four or five years ago and said, you know, well, you know, Kevin was the first one that's closer to six years ago. I said, we, we need to get a couple of really smart people in here who are masters of their domain and we can kind of come together and have a really solid team of leaders to help these businesses that we're trying to help in all aspects. And so that's that's how we ended up with four partners at Linker. You know, I'm really excited about the journey I've been on, but I'm also excited about, I think, the topic we're eventually going to get to today, which is how do you develop a personal brand? How do you make yourself stand out in a crowd, in a competitive field? You know, if you're a financial advisor or you know, really any kind of person in, in professional services. I mean, if you look at me, I, I took a career with my own name and turned it into a marketing firm, which, you know, has several partners and, you know, a bunch of employees. Well, how did that happen? And, you know, Kevin, he developed a reputation as somebody really reliable who understood critical thinking, who understood principles of argumentation and persuasion and built a massive international following. And, you know, how, how do you kind of start with these aspirations and these ideas and make decisions that kind of lead you forward in a career that bring it into this kind of focus where you, you can have impact on businesses all over the world? You know, that's, that's kind of our story. And, and hopefully we'll get into some of the things that will help some of the people in your audience understand, you know, some of the steps and what are the recipes that go into to leading to that kind of outcome. Yeah, and I'm excited to get into that aspect of it, the personal branding side. And I'm gonna, I want to do one question before we do, because I think that this is a really important lesson for advisors. John, you recently posted on LinkedIn of a past podcast that you're on, and, and you had talked about this concept of, of you, know, you lost focus in your business at one point during your journey, and it really kind of, you felt, at least you said, you felt like it set you back to some extent, and, and it took you time to recover that. I, I want to dive into that because I, I think it sets the stage for marketing and authenticity to where we have to ensure that we remain focused on who we are and stay focused on what we are doing and what we who we are serving and how we are doing that. Or we could find ourselves sprawling, especially in marketing, something that people don't know about. But I think people can relate to your story as business owners or leaders in terms of how you had a, you know, you had an, a challenging time. Can you just explain a little bit more of that as we set the foundation to, to head into authenticity and personal branding? Sure. I've actually never said what I'm about to say in a podcast before. But Kevin will laugh because he and I worked on this together. One of, one of the things that we do is we do pro bono work for a youth development organization in the Twin Cities uh, that helps at-risk youth advance and elevate their lives. And the founder of that organization is a world-famous athlete. And anyway, he's, he's had a massive impact on so many, so many kids. And I was just kind of studying the formula that he used to have such an impact one day. And I said, you know, uh, his name's Tony. I said, you really should write a book. And I know what the name of this book should be. And the name of the book kind of is the answer to your question that you just asked me. Um, the name of the book is Do, Be, Have. Do, Be, Have. It's it's a book that hasn't been written yet, but it's it's the idea that we have for this book. And, and really what it is, 
is it's to teach kids that if you, you know, if you want to have all this stuff, you know, you're, you're so focused on wanting to have all these things. I want these great tennis shoes or I want this really cool car. Or I want to have this, you know, really, you know, whatever, you know, fame and fortune and all these things. That's what you want to have. But, but what do you have to be in order to be the kind of person that has those things? And then what do you have to do to become the person that you have to be to have those things? And really it starts with, with doing and like any athlete who has to get up every morning and practice and rehearse and, and strengthen and, and get dexterity and, and get really smart about how to be in the game, you have to start with those fundamentals. And I think what happened to me back in you know the early 2000s, I started to experience a lot of success in my business, you know, the book and traveling all over the place and you know, getting these really great projects and getting international press. And I started to become so consumed with the things that I wanted to have as a result of success. I became so focused on the stuff that I wanted out of all of these efforts that I forgot about the efforts that it takes to get to the having part. And I spent so much time focused on all the, you know, entertaining people and, and having all these big events and, you know, that, that I, I lost sight of the practicing and the drills and the thinking and the blocking and tackling and all those things that just need to happen day in and day out. I lost sight of that. And I took my eye off the ball. And as a result, you know, I could have been way further ahead. And I might even have jeopardized my ability to ever come to a place of having the influence and impact that I had set out to have. So, you know, I, I kind of had to take several steps back learned some really hard lessons, especially with people who knew me the best. My personal brand reputation took a hit because now I became, my brand became, John's the guy who is taking his eye off the ball. That's what happened. I went from the guy is, you know, John's the guy who's got all these innovative ideas and writing about these great things and leading us into the future to John's the guy who took his eye off the ball. And I, I'm not sure if I can trust that. So it, it, it took a long time to figure that out, learn, you know, even understand the lesson I was supposed to be learning, get back on track and pay the dues again to get to the place where people were willing to follow again. So it's, you know, it's kind of a personal answer to that question, but that's it's sort of the truth. That's what happened. Well, I appreciate the vulnerability on that and, and opening up. I think that that's such a, I think it's a powerful message that, you know, when we reach different levels of success, some people keep going on, some people soak up and think that they can stop and slow down. And and what I'm hearing from you is that you can't ever really stop and slow down because, you know, as Warren Buffett always says, you can, it takes you a lifetime to build a brand a second to lose it. Right. You know, it's such an important value prop, but I think that this is a great segue over to branding, right? Because I love that title do be have. And so whenever you write that book, I want a copy of it or I'll pay for a copy of it to help with that, whatever it needs to be. But I think that that's an amazing concept because in order to have a personal brand, you must, there's a lot that has to be done. Like it's not just, you can just go do one thing. There is no silver bullet and you must be yourself. You have to be authentic. And if you try to be someone else, it's going to fade. And so I'm curious to, from y'all's standpoint, whoever wants to take the question, like what is the biggest challenge in building a brand that people just, they, they, they don't see it. They, they, it's a misperception of building brands from y'all's perspective because you help so many companies and individuals build those brands. 
I'll try to try to take that. Although I think the answer is different depending if you're talking about personal branding versus you know startup branding versus enterprise level branding, right? And the first thing is understanding what a brand is, right? And there's this confusion that people have. They associate brand identities with things like your name and your logo and your website, how the brand shows up in the market. But that's really not what brand is about, or at least it, it's it's a manifestation of brand. So brand identity is really about, I think of it in terms of these three kinds of three different, R, the three R's, reach, reputation, and relationship. So the re, your brand is reach is, you know, how, like how famous are you? How many people inside and outside of your your target market know your name, recognize your logo, have any any understanding of what you you, you do? So you can be your brand can be like in that sense your reach, but of course that's not the whole story. You, another one is brand as reputation. You know what what are you known for? So there we're more interested in like the the content of people's understanding of what you what do, what do people think about and feel about you. When they think about you, when, what association spontaneously comes to mind, your reputation. And then the third one, brand as, as relationship, is maybe arguably the most important one from a business standpoint. Because here we're interested in contexts where your product or your service shows up and it makes a difference in a customer's life. So, so when you think about the journeys of individual people, the story of their lives, what role does your brand play in their story? When and, how, and where and how do you sh- show up for them? So you think about, are you famous? Yes or no? Do you have a good reputation? Yes or no? And am I a meaningful presence in their life? Yes or no? And when you can say yes to all those, you have the makings of a very strong, influential brand. And they're all they're, they're distinct, though. And so the question about how you build those how you build reach, how you build your reputation, how you build the relationship, those are all different. And that's where the expertise of brand development comes in. And many, many businesses want to have those outcomes, but don't really have a good idea of, of a methodology for building that intentionally. Because if you just leave it on your own, you're going to have some brand identity. People are going to know something about you. You'll have some reputation. You can do nothing intentionally and you'll develop a brand. It may not be the brand that's working for you, right? This the, the goal of intentionally crafting that kind of influence over time, that's a real art. For, it's a science and it's an art. And it's the kind of thing that um, is underappreciated, both in terms of what it can do for you when it's working well, but also in the, the skills and time it takes to develop it. I think that that's an interesting kind of segue to go into. I, I would love to dive into each of those specifically because I think that some people view it's like, especially in the digital world that we're in, it's right. Oh, I got all these impressions or I don't have impressions. So I don't have reach and I don't know, you know, I, I don't have a reputation. I think my reputation is this, but how do I know that my reputation is there? So I wanted to go maybe one by one, like for brand reach, for instance, right? Building, building a strategy or thinking about someone that wants to build a strategy around that pillar of a three pillar, you take them all, how does that strategy form? And, and, and then I, I'm curious on like how it transitions because this is such like a personal business because, it, because people buy you as a relationship. And so how do you kind of make sure that you, you segment that out and see the difference as you move into kind of the relationship aspect of what your company is doing for you, but then actually you're a part of that as well. So maybe we start with reach and go down that avenue. But John, I know you had something here as well. Well, 
just to to kind of anchor it in the in the minds of the the people listening, I want to put a little bit of an umbrella over that. Think of it like um, Kevin just gave you the three legs of a three-legged stool, and I'm going to give you the seat. And and really, if you want to if you want to boil down what a brand is as an umbrella, because because those are kind of the pillars that Kevin just gave you. Um, really, it's what people believe about you. And specifically, it's what people believe about your value proposition. And m- most people these days have heard that term value proposition. And what does that really mean? It, it's, well, I mean, you you as a professional services provider, as a financial advisor, you believe and you're telling a story that you offer value to your potential clients, right? And, and you're proposing that they enlist you in, in the work of helping their situation somehow. So what your brand is, is what people believe about the strength of that value proposition when it comes to you. It's, it's the space that you occupy in people's minds. You know, what is the current status of your reach? What is the current status of your reputation? What is the current status of the quality of the relationships that, that you have? It's the index in people's minds when they think of you, what is it that they believe about you? And so if, if you're listening to this and, and you're wanting to know how to really bring your business forward in a meaningful way, you have to start focusing on this idea that you're out there putting yourself out there and, and people form an impression in their mind and they, and they remember something about you or, or not. And what is it that they're going to remember? So as you're out there trying to increase your reach, you've got to, you know another R relevance. It's like why should I, why should I care? Why should I, you know, I, I see this ad or I see, you know you're showing up on my, on my stream. Why should I care? You know because you can reach them, but then you've got to show the relevance. You've got to show something that people grab onto, that may, that compels them to want to go forward. To, to you know to learn about your reputation and, and to try to build that relationship. So I just kind of want to you know put that little dome over this conversation that all of these things kind of feed up into an impression in people's minds what they believe about your value proposition and that is what your brand ultimately is. And I think that that provides a really good layer on top of the question that where I was going with that is because I I think that there's a challenge, especially in our industry and wealth management, that there's so much noise and and there's like there's also stereotypes and, and prior set beliefs already in people's heads about the industry that you have to overcome, which makes it hard to build the true personal brand that creates that relationship from a marketing standpoint. That's why the business has always grown from relationships, but firms need to start finding ways to add more legs to the stool and their marketing and, you know, providing your own, who your brand is, is, is so key. But it's, but I think that there's been a, a challenge in our space to overcome and, and shine through the noise. And so that's what I'm curious of digging into from a, a reach reputation relevance relationship side of how, how people can think about creating strategy to be seen in such a noisy market that already has someone's view in their head already at times. Well, if you're thinking strategically, you're talking about a strategic brand, right? It's not just a brand, it's a strategic brand. So your goal is to develop a brand identity that supports your business goals, 
that supports your business strategy. So you want to become known for something. You want you have growth goals. You have market goals. You have profit goals. You have you know sales goals. What is the kind of brand identity that's going to be a tailwind that helps all of those happen? And that is what strategic brand development is all about. It's about being very. It starts with being very precise about the value proposition that you are offering the market. So now we have the standard marketing questions of who is your audience? What is their need? What can you do to help them fulfill a need that's not being met already? So with all those basic marketing strategy concepts of finding what's the competitive environment, who are the target, can they afford the, the service you offer, how big is it? You do all that stuff. Your market opportunity analysis is part of brand development. So you've got, let's say you've clear that your market opportunity is this. There's a quadrant that's un that's open, it's an open field here, say, space to move into. That's what the first part, in order to rise above the noise, is maybe find some place where, where it's quieter. Right? If you if you uh, you're trying to compete with all the other noisy businesses, you really have to differentiate yourself uh, strongly in order to stand out. So these basic questions about differentiation, what makes you unique, are crucial. Get that clear crucially. And if you don't have that clear, all the branding in the world is, is, is not going to help you, right? Get that part clear. Once that's dialed in, you're very clear about where your uniqueness lies, where your audience lies. Then there are is all kinds of tools for crafty, for analyzing the audience, figuring out what is the messaging that they will resonate with. And then you position yourself where they show up in the world. The key thing is like, you know, if they only visit certain sites, if they're only, you know, this this is where they hang out. You, you need to meet them there, where they hang out, with a message that's relevant to them. How do you decide that? That's analysis, that's research, that's customer interviews, all the process you do in developing a strong marketing plan to begin with. And then you're bringing the brand development issue uh, into bear on help to support those basic marketing and business development goals. John, you, you want to jump in and talk about like tactics that show up here or? Yeah, well, I mean. Principles. There's, I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but I'm thinking of like pick up basketball or something, you know? It's like, you know, a bunch of people show up over lunch, whatever, they're going to play some pick up basketball. And you're there, you know, with maybe people you've seen or played with before, maybe some strangers, but pretty quickly you kind of see who's got the moves and who's got the skill, who's, you know, got the background that makes them undeniably the best one, right, in, in that game. And, and you admire the people who've got those skills. And I think, you know, all the stuff we can say about branding really doesn't mean a whole lot if at the end of the day, what you show up with isn't undeniable. When people see you perform, when they listen to you speak, the insights that you're able to bring to the table. If the insights you're able to bring to the table seem average and mediocre and, and you know things that you could just find anywhere without being an expert, why would I want to work with you? You know, other than I just like you and I want to give you my business, right? Um, what is it that you bring to the table? What what insights do you have? You know, one of the one of the problems in my brand was that I had a lot of big ideas. I saw the vision of all these bases that needed to be covered. 
and I could kind of learn enough about each one that that I could talk about it at a certain level. But at a, at a certain level, my background knowledge just fell short. I didn't have the background that I really needed to go deep, 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 deep to have the insights, right? So when I met Kevin, one of the reasons I admired him so much was because he had spent his life developing the background knowledge that helped him operate within these areas that I was so interested in with skill and precision that I just would, in a million years, I'm never going to, to have. So in that case, you know, I wasn't able to do the things that I needed to do to be who I needed to be, to have the kind of impact that I wanted to have. So in that case, I said, I need to team up with somebody who's done those things, who's become the kind of person that has that background knowledge and those insights so that we can have the impact that we want to have. So sometimes it means teaming up. But I, I think that, you know, in in really practical terms, if you if you want to have that reach and show relevance once you get there and and have have the 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 reputation and and build the relationships you got to show up with something that's kind of like awesome you know when people are talking to you and it's like wow <laughs> you just clearly have more at your disposal you're able to draw up from within yourself things about guiding my financial life that I just don't I don't see that happen when I talk to other people. There's something unique about you. Now you become the person who has that special insight. And, and I think that that probably is fundamental to people in your audience is when you are selling professional services and when you're trying to position yourself to guide other people's financial futures, there needs to be something demonstrative about you interacting with you that makes it super clear that you have insights other people don't have. You, so you have to do the work. You have to do the work that makes you become the person with those insights so that you can have the market share that you want, if that makes sense. It's kind of, you know, what I'm hearing is, Kevin, to your point, is, and John as well, is that, you know, it's really about, when we talk about it a lot here on Bridging the Gap, but finding a niche and just going really deep into that and serving that person, right? Being the generalist is a little bit more tough, or is a little bit tougher, right? And too often we try to build a marketing strategy inside of our industry and leverage, you know, the same content, talking about Roth conversions or IRA contributions or whatever it may be. And that's not showing your your differentiated self. Now, if you can show it in a unique and creative way that, that displays your authenticity, which is who you really are, then you're going to be able to attract people that are attracted to that, but you're not going to be able to attract everybody and that should be okay. I, I think that, you know, too often we just get into this like cookie cutter model of marketing, which then which actually, in my mind, creates a ton of opportunity from that standpoint. And you know, now that it's so easy for for clients to go and research and find different content pieces so easily, whether they even use ChatGPT or Google or whatever it is, they can find things really quickly and, and discern whether you're you're authentic and different, or if you're just one of the same, just with the same type of voice, just different words. And so, I, I'm curious from y'all's standpoint, identifying a niche, going deep in that niche, focusing on on really kind of owning that and being creative and different, not just for different sake, but different with a unique perspective on that. Where does the future of marketing then go? And, and you know, I know, John, you have experiences and immersive experiences and, and everything of that nature on, on marketing inside, but like, where is the future going beyond sure. just, you know, blogs and videos and advertisements? Two words, 
persuasive education. Persuasive education is, you know, it, it's not that it's not blogs, it's not videos. You know, those are the formats for influence, right? Showing up speaking at, at conferences or at small little gatherings in your town. It's, it's really creating a depth of understanding within yourself that when you are on the stage, when the spotlight is on you and you are speaking, that you are drawing from something that, that clearly goes deeper than what other people are drawing from. And, and the, the interesting thing about this particular arena is that to a certain degree, you can control a little bit about how well you perform in that, in that situation by deciding to do the work to get a deeper set of insights than other people have. And, and this is really one of the lost arts, I really believe, is that you know there's, there's different kinds of learning, okay? Um, we, there's technical words. One is accretion. It means accruing or gathering. It's like interest accruing. So accretion, you're, you're pulling new stuff into your, into your head, okay? And the next one is called tuning, and it's where you're practicing. It's like you're doing your scales or doing a repetitive behavior over, you know, like the psychomotor stuff, but thinking. So you're gathering and you're, you're kind of rehearsing, memorizing. But the third one, restructuring, is, is one that we don't give much time for anymore because we're all consumers of information. We're scrolling, we're scrolling on, on you know, TikTok, Instagram, whatever. We're, we're drinking in other people's stuff. We're not taking the time to say, okay, I'm going to put a pause on all the inputs I've been gathering, I've been taking notes, I've got all this stuff in front of me, I'm going to kind of unpack it, and I'm going to, I'm going to spend the next two hours with a pencil and a paper and, and doodling and, and kind of reflecting on all of this information and trying to see if there's something there that is an insight that jumps out, almost like lightning striking, that, that lightning strike, like, oh my gosh, look at what I oh my gosh, look at that. There's some kind of pattern that nobody else is seeing because they haven't taken the time. And, and it's not like you've got to reinvent, you know, you don't have to be Einstein out there with the insights. Maybe you just need to be one beat ahead of the next person, right? Maybe it's a day or three days or a week or a month ahead because you've taken the time to see the patterns that have developed and see kind of where things are about to unfold. And you're the one who can give everybody that one week head start, right? And it's like, but it's, it's, ta it's just like the do be half thing. You've got to take the time to do the work to become the person that has the insight. And if you don't, take that time to sit and reflect, whatever that may mean for you, it's never going to happen for you. You're going to be in the middle of the pack the rest of your life. And I'll tell you one other insight, which, you know, this is, people have been saying, you're, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, right? Intellectually, financially, all those things. Get with a group, get with a, you know, some people call them masterminds. Get with really smart people. They don't necessarily have to be in your field, but people who are digging deep in their areas of expertise and they want to interact with and talk about ideas. And restructuring sometimes can be a group activity. Actually, when we do branding initiatives for, for major companies, 
there's a lot of that that we kind of help facilitate and orchestrate. But you know, doing that work, creating a space for really thinking through what are the insights that are emerging out of the data? What are the patterns I see? What do I really believe is going to happen next? And, and, and who are the people I can talk about this with that are going to make me smarter and sharper so that I can, I, I, would, I would say in this field, that makes me one beat ahead, that, that I show up with you know, that, that advice to buy a day before everybody else does, right? Or how to pivot or react because I'm so, I have so finely tuned my expertise and everybody knows it who talks to me. They can see that. Become that person. And then you're, that's going to be your brand. You're the person who just has that quick insight, who, who, who guides me in a way nobody else can. That is how you build a brand. Yeah. I mean, I have so many questions that come off of that, but I need to be respectful of y'all's time and everybody else's time. But I think that that, from my perspective, how I hear that and I take that in is the depth of knowledge is is key and in just like everything that we do in our lives we 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 get deep in it early on and then we just we take it for granted for what we know we don't try to go and get deeper on new things and we just take surface level to build on that and i think what i'm hearing is that the ability of going deep faster with more with something very specific and taking that time to think right which we don't take time to do anymore is to think will then create the brand. In order to create a personal brand, not only do you have to be yourself, but you have to be thoughtful and you have to do the work. And there's more work than just putting out a blog post and finding that creative way of sharing or teaching something new is extremely key. So if you can do that, I think that that's super key. John and Kevin, this has been super interesting and uh, I really appreciate the insight and it's uh, I appreciate y'all tag teaming this together because I think there was a huge value in that. Before I let you go, I'm going to ask you both the two quick kind of lightning round questions here because I always like to learn from people that are smarter than me like yourselves and I, I like to read books. And John, to your point, one of the takeaways I'm having is like, I'm going to take you know each book I read and spend hours kind of taking time to think about it after reading as opposed to just going on to the next one, which is so good. So what's one book out there that you think everybody should read if they haven't or reread if they have? Kevin, I'll start with you and then John, I'll head over to you. Sure. Well, if we're talking about personal branding for professional services, it's quite, it's different. I I was going to recommend a book for business orientation called The Brand Driven CEO, which is a good book. And it really is about the value of brand for company growth and the claim that the CEO is the one who's primarily responsible for promoting the brand identity. It's cool. But from a personal branding stance, I like I was attracted to this concept of a visible expert. And it's it combines the idea that someone who does professional services, you are selling yourself as an expert in some set, in some field, consulting, legal finance, but the brand, you can be an expert and no one knows you. You're invisible, right? And companies need to have at least a few visible experts, the ones who are out there getting their name known, presenting themselves to the market in front of audiences, developing their reputation as experts. If it's personal brand, it's crucial, but, but even if it's a group, it's a firm, one or two people who are going to assume the role of the visible expert, it's a crucial role to play because you would then, you're doing the work of drawing attention to the whole firm. You're bringing people in. You're doing all, all kinds of relationship 
management. And then, and there's a good book out called The Visible Expert Revolution, How to Turn Ordinary Experts into Thought Leaders, Rainmakers, and Industry Superstars. And it's a book written by a team of people who have a marketing firm that specializes in professional services marketing, that is marketing branding for individuals who are in the professional services game. Recommend it highly. I love that. I love that. John, what about you? Well, I wasn't going to say this until after this conversation, and now I'm going to recommend one of the books that had the biggest impact on my career. It's an older book. That's called Spin Selling by a guy named Neil Rackham. Uh, that's R-A-C-K-H-A-M. And really, it's, it's what taught me about consultative selling really digging into the situation and needs of an individual that you're trying to sell to instead of just trying to throw whatever it is you want to throw onto them for your own gain. It's really about how do you solve the business problem they're having? And to do that, you have to learn about it. You have to understand the problems. You have to understand the implications of solving those problems because that establishes the value, right? The value of your solution. And then learning how to present yourself in a way that isn't just self-serving as a person selling services, but as someone who is there to solve your business problem. So Spin Selling by Neil Rackham. I love that. I love that. And then I'll, I'll close with this. John, I'll start with you. You know, We talked about a ton here. If there's one actionable idea that you think our listeners should take from this podcast, what, what's that one actionable thing that they can take and implement today or tomorrow and and have an impact on their future from a brand, marketing, et cetera side? Just the what I said before, every week, take all the inputs, all the things that you're gathering and set aside time to see how all of those new pieces of information tie in to your body of knowledge that you already have and to make those connections so that you stay on the leading edge of having insight. So that's it. Take the time to do the homework to make yourself demonstrably smarter and more insightful than the people you're competing against every week. I love I love that. Kevin, what about from you? I'm going to say the same thing, but slightly differently. You know, I think about personal brand. In fact, most, most branding issues in terms of at least two dimensions. One is like, like the, the corporate brand or the, the personal brand question, which is, do I like this person or not? Do I like this company or not? How do I feel about them? Nice guy. Right? Take Steve at your business. What do you think of Steve? Oh, he's great, friendly, charming. I love his tell, tells great stories. He's a great, he's a great person. That's a different question from asking, do you think Steve is good at his job? Like, what do you think about Steve's performance in the work he's, he's paid to do? He says, well, he's not the strongest in our company, but he's, you know, all of a sudden it changes, Right. Think about your personal brand in terms of that first sense of like, do people like you? Are you authentic? Do you connect with them? And so forth. And then you're like your service brand. Maybe the reputation you have for the quality of the service you're offering, either the product or your uh, service. I think that you can imagine yourself evolving over time where the personal brand grows, but your service brand doesn't. That is, it, it's not getting any better. You're sort of stuck in a rut, say, for example. But you're darling, you're, people like you, but at a certain point, the reputation for your work will, will suffer unless you are committed to leveling up, committed to improving, changing, meeting your, your audience's needs better, 
revising and refining and, and elevating your value proposition. So I like the idea of, of alignment between your personal brand and your service brand. You have to be committed to improving all the time. In that sense, you kind of want to have them both be high, right? But if you had to choose in business, your service brand, you could be a bit of like a, a rascal or a bit of like a curmudgeon or other things that you might not rub everyone the right way. But if your reputation for quality service and your product is really high, you will sell. The other way around, what you have is illusion, right? Your personal brand mm -hmm. is, it, it isn't, there's nothing behind it. And yet will be unmasked. Mm -hmm. And in this day and age, you will erode your reputation. You will only go so far. So you have to be committed to the excellence of your service or product. Mm -hmm. And part of your brand identity has to be that commitment. I'm always looking to improve, always looking to help my audience because the audience is going to change and evolve over time. The market will evolve. You, you, have to, you have to evolve with it. And your authenticity is going to be strongest. You can have the most impact when people see you as committed to their ongoing role. You have that role in, in their life. So it, it's the commitment to your service brand is the thing that I think is going to serve you best in the, the long run. I love that. That's good. The illusion aspect is so key. I think there's so many people out there that have that aspect of it. So guys, this has been a, a real pleasure. I really appreciate y'all taking the uh, the precious commodity of time out of your day to to spend it here with us on Bridging the Gap. And you know, John, I'll, I'll position this question to you. What's the best way for, for the listeners who are, are definitely going to be interested to continue to follow you, get in touch with you and be inspired by you? What's the best way for them to stay in touch with you all? Linker.com slash Bridging the Gap. There it is. There it is. John and Kevin, thank you so much. Y'all stay well and be well. Appreciate y'all joining us here. Take care. Thanks for having us. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Matt. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Bridging the Gap. Don't forget to give us a rating and let us know what you think. 